0: Welcome to the ODA Magazine podcast series. We at ODA wanted to give you the opportunity to dive even deeper into the worlds of the people we get to spend time with by creating podcasts featuring conversations with creatives and entrepreneurs in all different areas of artistry, from designers, curators, and actors to philanthropists, models, singers, and photographers. The one through line for each of the podcasts in this series that they highlight the work of individuals from around the world who participate in and nourish culture and the conversations they inspire. Our guests discuss how they see the future, hopefully one filled with diversity, equality, understanding, and of course, passion. ODA is a platform where self-expression, imagination, and dreams are brought to the next level and shared with those looking to be inspired. Roxanda Elincik, the UK-based fashion designer from Belgrade, Serbia, has woven a myriad of different aspects of her unique identity into her namesake brand over the past 15 years. Her melange of volume, color, and her own heritage with silhouettes and fabrics, the telegraph grace and delicacy, distinguish her as an exceptional, invaluable talent. For Roxanda, the importance of mining her own life experience while continuing to strive to grow as a creative person through working with others is paramount to her continued success as an artist and as a businesswoman. Roxanda spoke with Ndeka Nozier for the Oda 19 issue of the magazine. Yeah.
1: So how do you think your initial studies in um, architecture influence how you go about designing in fashion and like how you find your inspiration in general?
2: I think it's actually a huge impact, much bigger than I thought that it's going to be because what is interesting about me studying architecture, or actually I tell you that later. No, let me, let me strictly answer this question. I'm now going like really wide <laughs> um, uh, so, so basically, yes, it influenced quite a lot, and I think you can even without realizing that I study architecture, you can see those influences very clearly, because uh, studying architecture really opened my eyes to kind of modernism, and and um, kind of idea of of sheltering the human, sheltering the body. So it's not just visual, but also emotional. Um, you know, when you are inside of your house, inside inside your Kind of habitat it's something that uh, you know it it's making you feel very protected and sheltered and and safe and i always wanted this notion to exist in my dresses as well so kind of when you put them on that you feel that there are almost this sort of like armor between the outside world and and what's happening inside of you some sort of like a protection and and i also wanted them to feel very comfortable and unconstraining because often for example if you have to create such a big shapes as my shapes you have to have corsets or various different things and and i always wanted them to be minimal and, and I'm, I, I'm like inside construction of the garments I'm always trying to find a way that things are easy and comfortable to the body um, and and also in visual sense, I think architecture is very present because you know you you when you observe my piece of clothing you always have to see 360. It's kind of like a sculpture in a way, particularly bigger pieces, bigger evening pieces. Um, and also that kind of uh, fluidity that it doesn't have much. Uh, construction but it's still floating on a body the same as architecture with other walls that is constructed for air and 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 light to float through it so so as i said it 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 really affected me in many 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 ways and and you know i kind of felt almost natural to include it in my in dna of my ready-to-wear brand nice
1: and so when you got started with Ready to Wear, um, when you initially wanted to become a designer, did you know from the get-go, like I know you were, you loved fashion, like, and your mother loved fashion, and I yeah. think the love came from there, or did you, um,
2: yeah? Ye- yes, I, I think my mom is a big catalyst in kind of me studying fashion, Not not literally consciously, I think that You know, she was petrified when I announced that uh, I'm kind of am going to be fashion designer, not architect, actually, or or something else. Because, you know, possibilities back home were not looking so rosy and there were not many possibilities to be a fashion designer. Mm -hmm. And it was more... Uh, back home the society was structured so that you know like if you have some more like a safe profession as a lawyer or doctor or architect um the prospects were much higher and um and i think that but then her love for fashion existed um in front of me since since early age and she not just that she loved and enjoyed clothes and saw it as kind of also like like element of self-expression but she would always kind of involve me in this whole process so um, I was there since early age like going to her sometimes to her seamstresses because back back in those days you know you would very often um, have like like uh, dressmakers making the clothes for you and then she would make clothes for herself and then from leftovers clothes for me so you know I would be there during the fittings and you know playing with the fabrics and on on you know on another level as well she she was a huge fan of of wonderful you know like exciting designers at the time and you know she she was working in a pr so she traveled a lot and she would come back from um you know her trips bringing wonderful uh dresses uh for herself for me uh fabrics everything so i i just learned to appreciate to appreciate those things very very early um And as I said, my study of architecture wasn't because that was something that I loved and wanted to do, but almost as a second choice um, to fashion, which I thought I can't quite do back home. Um, And then when opportunity for me to go to St. Martin's happened, I I kind of never really looked back and, um, you know, just kind of, you know, totally engrossed myself into fashion fully.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you knew that you love fashion from a very young age and you kind of, it was a natural progression, you would say, to like want to become a fashion designer because you're seeing like everything that they're making and all these things.
2: Yes. But well, it was natural in one way, in terms of love and my passion, it was natural, but then it was a natural in a way that actually that wasn't my, like my rational part of the brain was saying, no, that that shouldn't be something that you should be doing, so that's why I went and enrolled myself into architecture, and, and I thought that I would be doing something very, very different, and, and I almost tried to do something different kind of rationally, but my passion for fashion was so strong that I simply couldn't resist it, and, and I, I kept doing everything to, to try to actually uh, get my studies further in fashion and to kind of find a way to stay more connected to fashion. And as I said, once I got here and once the opportunities is open and uh, possibility to actually live from fashion and create my life around the fashion, um, it was almost like a dream, dream come true. It was almost kind of merging your hobby and something that you love that you would do in a free time with something that you do in life and that you kind of build a business from. So I, in, in that sense, I consider myself very lucky.
1: Yeah. yeah, that sounds awesome. And so what, um, what was what, some of the favorite things that you learned when you were at Central Saint Martins? Like, I know that your, your mentor was Louise Wilson and you had a lot of amazing teachers. Um, what are some ama- like great lessons that you learned and advice that you um, learned from them as well?
2: Yes, well, that was really a big kind of uh, crossroad when I came to study St. Martin's here because Louise Wilson was such an incredible titan, I would call her, in in terms of like teaching us um, how to design and how to almost discover ourselves because you know, I came with a certain kind of notion of what fashion should be. And she almost like strips you down of everything that you think you learned and almost makes you start from scratch and, and build yourself from something that really comes within you. So I guess one of the main things that she taught me was don't, don't follow any rules. There's no rules. You need to make your own your rules. And, and you need to look inside yourself and discover who you are. And I think that those two probably things were the most important things that she taught me because everything since that graduation show up till now kind of follows that path. So for example, before I came to study um, uh, MA, I was very much, I would say, kind of rebellious against you know, where I come from, our classic culture, uh, way of dressing, etc. And I I thought that I need to rebel against it. And I need to create something um, that is opposite of uh, maybe what my country is about. And only when I came to London and left my country behind, I actually realized that all those things are what makes me myself and that whole heritage and things that I was rebelling against and and the culture that I was rebelling against um, is actually what is making me who I am and something that I feel very comfortable around that I know so well. So for example, for instance, color. Color is something that I totally brought from from back home. And before that, my designs actually back home were not... um, having so much color and when i came to london i realized that not many designers are using color here and color was seen as something that people are slightly afraid of and wasn't very fashionable at the time and and i realized that actually that is something that i grew up with my mom was dressed in color her friends were dressed in color my my friends were dressed in color and it's just something that comes natural and um and that's that was one almost like a conscious decision to incorporate colour at the time when not so many designers were um, doing colour for things or or at least the ones that were doing were were not that much in tune with, with, with the times. Um, and I think as a young kind of student and young person that is there to kind of break the rules and create their own, as Louise was teaching us, you kind of have that also power to just be reckless and just go and do things, whatever you feel like it without thinking of any consequences.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That's the thing about, um, going in. That's why I find fashion school so fascinating because everything you're going into is first of all, you're like most people like they're, when they go into fashion school, they're younger. So they already have like a fresh perspective. Like they don't really have rules in that much in them and they have their own hobbies, their own interests. And then they have, like you said, this whole preconceived notion of what fashion is. But when they go into school, it's like, you have to find your own identity. You have to break everything down. They're like, okay, it's just, it's just so freeing. And it's so, and I love how much like structure and technique goes into it. And I just like have a very like warm spot in my heart for fashion graduates for people who have been like studying fashion for like since their youth so
2: yes yes and it's so important to find that voice it's almost like you feel it's very very hard I remember going through those kind of trying to like what is it what is it no it's not that it's not what is it what is it it's really hard and it's such almost revelation when you find it it's almost like uh, you know well well, it, it is like a creating something really creating a new life. You feel you yeah. created something that wasn't there before. Yeah. And um, it's it's a beautiful feeling, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and basically, so you have recently made a return to, in- like, not architecture, but interior design. Yes. And so around last year, like, I want to say... Yeah, it
2: was June. Yeah, it
1: was like a leech. Yeah. Yeah
2: you know what's funny when i look in my phone and it tells you like this time last year it was literally it was last last uh three days ago or something like that it was literally and pictures started to pop up and i was like oh my god this seems like uh
1: 10 years ago. right forever ago <laughs> yeah especially because now like everything is yeah. so slowly but yeah and And through the interior design that you accomplished last year, like you can see a lot of things in your signature aesthetic, things like color, um, geometry, um, really female centered design, female empowered design, and like so much more stuff. So what can you say that you have achieved in interior design that you like haven't been able or like you haven't yet explored in fashion yet? Like so like some ways that interior design has like freed you, like allowed you to express yourself more, that kind
2: of thing. Well, it was really, really super exciting project because the things that I was telling you about, like sheltering created some sort of spaces where you can reflect and kind of calm down and turn off. Um, and all the things that I've been trying to kind of express through my clothing, but are actually architectural language. And suddenly I was again in a position to say this, but with the same codes that I established for my clothing. So it was wonderful, wonderful project because Um, you know, you almost felt, and those are actually not my words, but words of some of the people who visited the apartment, but it almost felt that you're walking into one of my dresses. So, you know, you open the door and you feel you are, you are inside of, of the dress and the dress is bigger than you. And suddenly you are literally sheltered by the dress. Mm -hmm. And, um, and what I wanted to do, it's really highlight many, many things that I'm doing, um, as the, you know, designer as well. So as you mentioned, I always um, wanted to use my platform to kind of bring the spotlight on, of women. And I always felt that um, as, you know, females, as women, we are for different reasons in a, in a not exactly in the same place. And there is not equality that, that should be there. Um, not because we are not good enough on a contrary, but just because of many, historical reasons that were not, uh, and society reasons that were not allowing us to do this. And therefore I almost kind of dedicated my work, not just to make, you know, women feel good in my clothing and feel sheltered, but also to kind of um, use my brand voice to to also kind of give a platform to some other female, uh, females either contemporary or from the past that were inspiring me. That uh, I found myself that are just starting or fully established, um, and and this whole project with interior also allowed me to do that. So everybody, literally from the you know pieces that I was using, artists that I was collaborating with, even a gardener, um, you know, I tried to kind of incorporate as many. As many female voices as possible, and um, you know, so so wonderful artist Caroline Denevo, She did a mural in a in an apartment, and also um, a wonderful screens on a, on a windows. Um, and she also collaborated with me on a, one of my previous shows on a on a kind of a set for one of my previous shows. So again, it was like a l- wonderful merge to. Um, collaborate with some somebody on my clothing but then also um you know in interior design um and it's yeah it's it's kind of there's so many links between that i don't really know if like almost felt like doing the same talking the same language talking to the same kind of um interesting women that i normally do but just expressing that through through interior rather than through clothing.
1: Yeah. Oh, the the concept of going into your clothes, like into your designs, like walking into it, that must feel especially since this is like a woman focused brand. That must just feel like so like warm and like calming and all. Yes.
2: It w- it was like a, literally like a little oasis when you walk in and you kind of feel like literally sheltered. There's lots of like a dusty pink colors that are kind of talking also to the colors in my store um which are very very kind of uh, uh calming and and um and almost kind of radiating like um like a zen feeling in a way when you walk into the room so it's yeah it was it was something i'm i'm really really proud of i think it's it's it was such a wonderful project
1: yeah yeah and when it comes to your stores as well did you want it to feel that way like did you connect it back to your clothing at the same time in interior design?
2: Well, I, um, on my store, I work with uh, um, my favorite architect and, uh, you know, great friend, sir, David Adjaye. And, and I love his work so much that obviously it's, he had total freedom to do whatever he wanted. And, uh, you know, me coming from architectural background as well, like, you know, there were so many kind of similar references when we started to think about the store, but what is exciting about my clothing is this kind of wonderful mix of opposites. I always have things that feel soft, but strong or, you know, dress up, but still kind of casual. And I wanted to kind of have that in a store as well. And David came with this wonderful, um, kind of concept that basically the ground floor of the store almost look like this beautiful gallery that kind of celebrates um, some of the original features of the store. Like for example, that are seen on, on, on the ceiling. And then um, I'm personally a, like David, a huge fan of brutalist architecture and of concrete. So of course we have a, you know, like all the walls are cladded with concrete and, and there is very interesting kind of uh, uh, spacing of rails and and wonderful kind of sculpture-like um, um, uh, tables in, in, and, and seats in a store as well. But then you find this kind of hidden staircase at the back of the store. You go downstairs and you uh, find yourself in a totally different environment, which is uh, walls cladded in, in felt, which um, I used at the time in one of my collections. Just, just before we opened the store, I used that same felt in collections and the colors are, are very, very color blocked and very kind of jarring, but in very harmonious way. And obviously, main color is, is dusty pink in a, yeah, yeah. in a VIP VIP room. Have you been to my store, by the way? Did you manage uh, to? No, I haven't. I haven't been Next there. time when you come to London, I have to give you a little tour and we can have a special uh, uh. tea and you know something in a VIP room. Um, yeah. But it is it is this opposite, as I said, like, you know, you go from this kind of almost gallery, uh, beautiful, almost kind of graphic uh, space on a, on a ground floor to this very kind of cushioned up, cozy um, feel of almost somebody's wardrobe. You feel you kind of entered somebody's wardrobe because yes. the VIP room is filled with the cupboards and, you know, it feels that you... You have just kind of walked in something very soft and very welcoming and many people come and stay for hours I mean literally we have clients coming and staying for four hours or you know which which is exactly what we kind of wanted to to create
1: amazing Wow (laughs) (laughs) and you spoke about your collaboration with David Um, you also had a collaboration with Lululemon that launched around like September 2019 And yeah, and being that you normally create ready-to-wear, what did you learn from um, collaborating with such an active wear collection? And like, is there anything that you'd like to maybe think about differently with uh, your collections now? Or um, is it just something that you found like really cool to experiment with and like look into further collaborations with them?
2: Yeah, well, Lululemon was such a another wonderful project. It's been very busy year last year. Yeah. <laughs> very busy year. Um, but uh, yeah, that was another very exciting project because what I love to do in general, with you know my creative mind and my creative collaborations, is to explore into other categories that normally I wouldn't have done. And what that kind of brings for, I don't think just me, but just any artist, is just kind of kind of enriches you in experiences and ideas and also different approaches to work. And then you bring that back into your own work. So like, for example, with Lululemon, um, what was particularly exciting with them is this incredible wealth of knowledge that they have in kind of technical fabrics and the way that things really have to perform for, over and over and over again, under very hard circumstances, so you know they they have like a very diligent testing of everything that they make, and everything everything, even the smallest button has to have a purpose. Why is there, what is the function? Yeah. Uh, very often, they write all those things in a little booklet because mm-hmm. the things are so um, function rea- related that you, sometimes as a customer, you actually have to read about possibilities and why the certain things are there. And I found all that mesmerizing and really, really inspiring. So for example, we created this uh, jacket um, that uh, it's, it's like a puffer coat that had so many different ways of being worn. You know, you could take the sleeves off and hood off and turn it upside down and it could be a sleeping bag and, uh, um, you know, the hoods can be used for like, like you can multiply the hoods, So you have like a three hoods worn at the, at the same time. Wow. It's like literally um, mm-hmm. like, you know, we were calling it like infinity code because it has infinity amount of ways that it can be worn. And um, yeah, and, and as I said, it was it was just like, you know, a lovely way to kind of go into totally different um, uh, sphere and something that is so different than what I am about and to merge those two worlds and to create something that is almost kind of active air but based on dresses and skirts and, and kind of excitement that you get when you are getting dressed up to go out. Yeah. So, so we did incorporate like a skirts and dresses and everything in their collection as well.
1: Yeah. That's so cool. Um, are there any challenges that you say you faced? face uh, with Lululemon, like when it comes to just thinking? Um, I mean, not really. To
2: be honest with you, their team is uh, so kind of wonderful and, and kind of, they were so exciting about the project as well. I think the only challenge was maybe difference in time. Obviously, they're based in Canada, I was based in London, you know, like a sometimes the distance and and, you know, the, the time difference were kind of probably the biggest kind of technical obstacles. But um, otherwise, it was, it was really, really like a fun project to do. And, and as I said, I think we both learn a lot. Like, I, I guess they learn about different, more kind of fashion approach to active wear. and And I learn about all the wonderful technical functional things that uh, kind of made me think slightly different about
1: my own collections as well. Yeah, nice. Is there anyone else that you would collaborate with, like either in like fashion, um, interior design, any of those things? Well, I collaborated also with the Link
2: Ceramics. Um, So it's uh, like a wonderful... um, uh, Oh, gosh, you know what? Now I forgot. No, they're Danish. Yeah, Danish ceramicists. And and they have this wonderful heritage that it's... uh, Gosh, I will have to kind of relook look into that. But I think it's, it dates from even 1940s. Wow. Uh, maybe if you can check, check that just so that I'm not talking on the top of my head. Uh, but they are really, really wonderful, um, as I said, like um, ceramicists. And uh, and I collaborated with them by kind of applying some of my artworks that I had on my embroidered pieces onto their vases. And that was specially done for one of my stockists, um, I think it was last year as well, but I collaborated with them that 's already my second collaboration with link ceramics so that 's another kind of um, you know going into like something that is more like obviously different more interiors related and then of course, my latest show I, I work with incredible artist um, Rana Began, Um and that that was the show in February when we did this wonderful, wonderful um uh beautiful well it's art piece basically that was um done specially for my show in the colors of the rainbow or colors of my collection and uh we shone in in a wonderful space of um of commonwealth building that that you know the the uh glass roof was Gosh, I wouldn't know now how many meters, but I guess it was like six stories high or something like that. So it must be 15, 20 meters. Um, And we managed to basically create, well, Rana managed to install uh, her wonderful piece almost going all the way up. So it was um, something that um, I guess the people that came to the show could experience in a full beauty but also like you can see it from the video and kind of get a little bit of of a feeling um, how exciting it all
1: was. Yeah, Um, so yeah, so this one, obviously like this venue was chosen because it was necessary for the art. Um, Yes. mm -hmm. So how do you usually choose the venues in London? Is it based around like the collaborators or is it based around um, the idea you have behind your collection? And yeah, like, how do you choose what venues reflect the values of your collections?
2: Well, I'm um, I'm a little bit of a uh, have like this like very big obsession with art, and um, hence by all the artists that I collaborate with, all the female artists uh, are, are artists normally, and um, and uh, therefore I kind of felt that uh, actually connection with one of the London galleries would be quite appropriate, and uh, Serpentine was, um, well, to be more precise, uh, not just Serpentine, but Serpentine Gallery and Serpentine Pavilion became almost like my, uh, you know, uh, venue uh, for September show, because Pavilion is only installed from June And then later in a year until October, until it starts really heavily raining, then it's uh, dismantled, which is always I always find it very very sad. But obviously it has to be done so that they create space for somebody new next year. Mm -hmm. Um, And Serpentine became almost my home away from home. You know, I, I kind of felt that that's my gallery. That interestingly I used to admire so much the first time when I came here. It was you know, one of my favorite galleries here in London and to be able actually to show there in the heart of High Park, you know, one of the landmarks of London landmarks. It's really, really, you know, huge honor to me. And and it, it just made sense because pavilions were always made by very incredible architects um, and architects who are not so seen like the whole point of pavilion is to highlight and spotlight these, the uh, architects that are not uh, seen in London as much as I believe they should be. Um, so it was a wonderful way to, in a way work uh, with some of them more closely with some of them remotely um, and um, and just stay, stage my shows there. And each show would kind of take certain element of the pavilion as well um which yeah as i said it's it's really lovely and it is a big shame that you know shows might not happen in september well they're definitely not happening so i think this will be the first time i'm I'm skipping that wonderful venue but who knows maybe something else will manage to
1: stage there yeah maybe or maybe it'll be um created but only like a certain amount of people at a time and you know,
2: yes, yes, that's, that's a possibility. We all need to think very hard about how to and what <laughs> to to do because I I am missing fashion shows. I kind of feel that um, impact that they have. It's um, it's really extraordinary. So um, it would be shame for them to kind of go away for good. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Um, and so, what do you? Th- so going back to um, your designs and. The people that you design for, so you have a knack for really implementing romance and dreaminess and sensuality and all these things into your work, um, which is essentially rooted in femininity, in the woman and the feminine uh, aspect of a person. So, what do you think about how femininity and elegance is being um, gravitating towards streetwear? Like, do you think they're polar opposites? Um, because of the active um, energy that is associated with streetwear or do you think they can be combined and um, like the way that you saw through your collection with new um, Lemon? New you- Lemon. Yeah.
2: I definitely think they can be combined and, and I kind of, you know, believe that also, um, you know, it's, it's for women. I always, as, as a woman designing for women and, you know, everything that I told you in a previous answer, I kind of feel that we, shouldn't be afraid or, or embarrassed of our femininity, of who we are. I think we should be celebrating it. And femininity can come in a many different shapes and forms. And, and I often, as I said in my work, I am very feminine. And, and, and I always have that kind of element of certain nostalgia or, or beauty. But it always has that kind of undercurrent of some opposite that is happening in the background being um, slightly more masculine element So I think it's really about balancing who you are, what you are, what your personality is about, and then celebrating that to full, fully. And if you are really feminine person, I, I think you can express yourself uh, in many different shape and forms. And regardless if that's the street wear or occasional wear or um, you know just the normal day wear, I, I kind of feel there is definitely space for everything and our culture and the way that we live, it's allowing us that those days, because before I think there were much many more rules that some women in a certain profession just simply didn't have a choice, but to follow because otherwise they wouldn't be able to progress in their workplace, which I find really, um, you know, negative, you know, I I think you should be able to express yourself how you want to, but I think that that's all breaking now and, and streetwear is part of that change. And, Streetwear did allow people to be more free. So, so I guess um, we just need to build more on the positive things and, and create a positive change.
1: Yeah. yeah. And what do you think, how do you think the Roxander woman has changed? Um, like you said, people haven't always felt that they can be um, free in this way. So how do you think, um because of the freedoms that we have and the way that we dress now how do you think the rock the woman has changed in like ideologies or ways of self-expression and values over time when you first started to now
2: mm-hmm. well i think what is interesting um that actually in terms of values i i think that the woman is probably the same i think that the values for like being proud of who you are dressing for yourself not to please the others but above all for yourself to kind of get a pleasure from clothing to get excitement and optimism from it. I think that that all has stayed. And that also, I guess, you know, my woman is very curious. She, she wants to know everything about not just culture, but the changes in the world. And, you know, she wants to be involved. So so I think all of that is still there, but I think what has maybe changed is just the, that um, my voice became even stronger and, and bigger and maybe more self-assured because I guess when you're a young designer and you're starting and you're only having a 12 looks or you're only having one selection of looks, which usually it's in my case was the dresses, then you you don't offer to your woman to, to that possibility to dress like that all the time. But now after almost well 15 years yeah. you know she's having everything you know it's, it's it's things to wear in a day things to wear when she's going out things to wear when she's going exercising particularly now with lululemon uh right. you know there's 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 um, very strong also offering of tailoring uh which is much more masculine if if you are that type of woman but done with fun colors and you know feminine colors or sophisticated colors. So I think, yeah, now she's she's having much more choices. And as I said, she's definitely, um, you know, more sure of herself.
1: Nice. Yeah. And speaking of people that are sure of themselves, do you have any in-person uses um, for your collections? Or
2: Yeah, well, I'd, I must say that my mom, like being the the woman who somehow you know managed to get me so passionate about fashion I think that she will always be and stay my muse and you know another one is like a Pina Bausch you know the great choreographer and dancer like I kind of felt that she's another of my muses because she keeps coming back in all of my shows and either it's like the who she is or what she was fighting for or Um, simply the dresses or the costumes in in performances that she created. So, you know, like, I I guess they're always there. But then in terms of women, I kind of feel that I have many muses, you know, not just one, but in terms of particularly women that are like like contemporary to me, like all my friends are my muses, like, like women that I often see wearing me that I never met, but I see them wearing me either if they are in a you know public eye or just customers that I see from the store you know there are my muses as well I think what is important to kind of understand different women different needs who they are and to kind of offer something that it's kind of coming in the future that they will like in the future as well as in in the present and and you know therefore they all inspire me I I think um, I just you know love to be inspired by women
1: yeah yeah nice yeah so you're pretty um pretty clear about like how you're along with your inspiration of, about women like your serbian background and family history has given you um, a lot of encouragement um, in your designs and we're seeing a huge shift where a lot of young designers are doing this as well and they're really looking back to their traditions um, in refreshing ways and kind of expressing themselves in that way. What were your initial experiences of adding um, these aspects of your life into your clothing and um, your family history into your clothing? Um, and what advice do you have for young designers trying to do the same thing?
2: Well, you know what, sometimes you, you live in, you know, like a different place that, my, that those things, sometimes they might understand them. Sometimes they may not. They might be a little bit different to them, unfamiliar. And therefore, when the things are unfamiliar, um, the people might not understand them immediately. But as long as you know that they are coming from the right place, as, as long as you have that special feeling, not, not rationale telling you you should be using those things because it's good to use them or it's fashionable to use them. No, but simply because your heart is telling you this is something that talks to me and it's something that is pure and something that is strong. And if that's the case, I just kind of feel you have to keep doing it and doing it better every time. And eventually uh, audience will come and, you know, audience will start to understand what you're talking about and start to respond to pieces that you're making. So, um, you know, it just needs to be really genuine and really, really kind of heartfelt.
1: Yeah, yeah. And when you um, out, put out your first few collections, was it, how do you think it was received um, with those aspects of your background? Do you...
2: um, well, I, I think the aspects of the background, because uh, apart from the color, there, were, there was always like uh, that kind of love of big shapes and sculpture shapes, which comes from our fall costumes, particularly sleeves. We always have something in our full costumes happening on the sleeves obviously i made it even bigger (laughs) um even more uh like kind of um eccentric um i i think um I, i think people as i said with some things it took them a little bit while to understand but in theory they responded well because that heritage is something that made me different i that was something that I could offer that they might not have seen that they, that they realized that it's fresh, that even if they didn't like it immediately, they were intrigued by it and they wanted to see, okay, well, let me see again. Like, so, and I think um, in, or at least in my case, it was, it was very, very positive. Um, And I think it's very, very good that there is a fashion now, definitely that people should be, looking more into where they're coming from. Um, because I think in a world of globalization, we don't want everything to become the same. We don't want to be offered the same product. And, and I think it's really good that people are starting to be totally open-minded and actually embracing something that is different and something that is coming from somebody else's culture. Um, and I think it's important to, to be doing this. Yeah,
1: me too. And so along with the conversation around tradition and really reclaiming that, there's been a lot of conversation about how fashion should adapt to how the world is changing um, in terms of like sustainability, um, changing gender roles, um, the importance of like representation and diversity. And on top of that, there are also new things happening when it comes to technique. So mm. new innovations around technology and even also the evolution of luxury fashion as well. So I wanted to ask you, um, what are some conversations around the future of fashion that you think are really exciting to you and your brand? And how do you see um, your brand in the face of change?
2: Mm. I think it's really important to always be in tune with the changes and everything that you mention. It's super exciting for me. I think... Um, all those changes that are particularly, you know, I mean, happening right now, but also in, in the last few years have uh, been so good to the whole fashion industry on many levels. And I personally feel very kind of, you know, like, like for me personally, that kind of position of a woman and something that I've been championing since the, since the beginning, it's it's very important. And in general, inclusivity and equality of people, I mean, that's very, very close to my heart and um, and everything it's something that i'm incorporating in in my brand not not just now this this been almost since its inception um, obviously sustainability started to become such a big issue um, in a again few several last years and that is something that we started to bring to the forefront as well but apart from that diversity equality i've been kind of you know championing this on my little level (laughs) as much as i could but what is really nice now is that there is this bigger global community of fashion brands all talking the same language because no matter how good your intentions are if you are small you can't change much and even if you're big if you are trying to change things only by yourself sometimes and often doesn't work so i think that this building of a community of a fashion community that is having similar goals um similar desires uh, um and they desire like the goals and desires of the community are almost in front of your, your own personal desires i think that that's very important and very very positive
1: yeah yeah
2: Think that's so it's almost this community you know like you're doing things for community rather than just for yourself and mm-hmm. that a, you know like several years back you know like you wouldn't blink you know of course you were the first one that matter, but that's not the case anymore
1: mm-hmm. for anybody especially um i think people can kind of get wrapped up in the whole concept of like individual competition and all of those things having to produce every single season be productive so the idea of community and at least someone making a change in their own kind of way, I think can be very, very powerful. So
2: absolutely, absolutely. And and just slowing things down, I think everybody on the same page in terms of slowing things so that we as a designers have more time to develop the collection, to think about them and to offer still something fresh and, and you know, like nice to customers, but maybe in a smaller quantities and maybe not as often as we were so far. So um, I definitely think that there's many positive things kind of coming uh, and definitely everybody is talking about them. So I'm sure that some changes will come as a result. Yeah, yeah, me too.
1: All right. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it.
2: You're welcome. You're welcome. Really, really a pleasure. And, you know, stay safe and... Good luck with everything. In a in a state, it's 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 crazy, but it will it will definitely bring positive change. I know it. Yeah, it has to. And
1: you yes. see as well.
0: Okay, you too. Take care. Thank you. Bye. 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 Don't want to miss an episode of the Oda Podcast? All you have to do is download our app in the Apple Store or visit Oda's Spotify account then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. And don't forget to leave a review and tell your friends about the new Oda podcast.